Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. Uh, for a minute, I thought it wasn't recording. That's so why I was like, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, it was, oh. why are you talking slow? I thought you were going to do like a cool speed up thing. <laughs> thought you were doing a bit. Uh, no, no bit. Yeah. Just, uh, just confusion. Right. Um, but we're here. And what you just heard... Oh, no. Motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't know why I called you guys that. Yeah. Uh, was our new intro song. Yep. Everybody. Um, it is by a band called Moan Red. M-O-A-N-R-E-D. Dot com is where you can go find uh, their music. Uh, it's mostly a guy named David. Um and he's like a fucking badass guitarist. Yeah. Uh, met him through a friend. And when we said we were going to, we needed intro music, he was one of a few people that sent us stuff. So to everyone else that sent music, thank you. But you lost. No. That uh, doesn't, what it, come on. There's no losing. Yeah. Uh, there was some good shit, though. Like, I was listening to stuff and I was like, what are we going to pick? Yeah. But here's the good news. Um, We'll like cycle. We'll yeah. cycle. The, yeah, it's not going to be forever. It's on some rotation shit. Yeah. So we'll do this for, I don't know, a couple months. Few yeah. Months or whatever. But I think it's, it'd be cool to like give bands that listen to us and not yeah. like, some opportunity to like have their songs. Yeah. Uh, so still keep if you're if you have stuff and want to send it to us, still do that and don't do that thing where you're like that music you picked sucked. My band rules. Just send us a song. Actually, that's a very good point. And be mellow about it. Yeah. <laughs> I I I I know you love your band. We love your band too, but that doesn't mean you have to hate someone else's band. So just send us music yeah. and be cool. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Um. So thank you again, uh, Moan Red, and thank you again, the other artists who submitted stuff. Um. And maybe one of yours will end up being the next one. But if you do have stuff and you're a band, send us links. Uh, the the keys to this, by the way, are don't send us full songs yeah and anything that's like copyrighted because the whole point of this was we don't want to get flagged yeah for using copyrighted music so if you have like songs or, or rough edits or, or things like that of stuff that you never use never put up that would be ideal so then you don't have to burn any music and we don't have to get in trouble for using it take out the bongo drums and get weird yeah 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 um so yeah keep it under like a minute or under a minute would be would be awesome. And then the next one we'll do is probably going to be in like a couple months, two and a half months. That's so probably eight or ten episodes or something like that. Um, all right. And then some road dates. Arlington, Virginia. I'm there this weekend at the Arlington Draft House. That's April 23rd through 5th. Get tickets. NickYousef.com. Um... I've never been, so I'm excited. I hear it's a fucking cool room. Yeah, I've always heard it's good. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's really good. Uh, then later, July something, 17th. I can't remember. <laughs> really on top of it over there. Really killing it. Um, you can come see me at the Comedy Store most weekends, Friday and Saturday. You can also come see me every Sunday at the West Side comedy theater it's been hot lately had some hot comics doing hot comedy there you go um that's always a fucking cool show packed last night was so fun um lexington kentucky mid-july 17th through 19th couple people said they're already coming to comedy off broadway for that july 17th through one of them's bringing me coffee from some cool coffee roaster Mm -hmm. so thank you sir in advance um 
It's supposed to be a good one out there too. So I brought it to someone. I'm like, I'm going to Kentucky, and they're like, make sure you go to this coffee place. I'm like, some dude's bringing me that. That'll be a cool story until he poisons you and you're dead. Yeah, don't poison me. Actually, that'd be uh, <laughs> if I could tag that with a request. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag don't poison Nick. <laughs> and then San Antonio, Texas, at the end of July, July 31st through the second of the next month. Uh, Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club. All this stuff. Tickets, links, blah, blah, blah. NickYousef.com. Um, did you read my Coachella article? If you did, thank you. I wrote a thing about all my music festival experiences. It's uh, up at Paste Magazine. PasteMagazine.com. Uh, they do like music, lifestyle, whatever s- stuff. Um, so they, they posted that, which was very nice of them. And... Um, what else? I think that's it. Yeah. Right? New intro music. Mm-hmm. Some road gigs. Yep. Um, and there we go. Now this episode. Quick, uh, quick description. This episode, Art-nerd. This episode uh, we went to um, an art show at Barnsdale Art Park uh, that is uh, celebrating, uh, I want to say, 20 years of Juxtapose Magazine and Robert Williams. So it's about uh, what is considered lowbrow art movement on what's mostly the West Coast. And it's a survey of that sort of style of art. We talk a lot about Robert Williams, and we just talk about that kind of, that area of the art world in general, how we feel about it, its effect on the art world, and why it's looked at the way it is, and sort of the, you know, the best people love it, why I don't love it all the time, why parts of it I love. I like to call it accessible art Mm -hmm. for people like me who don't know a lot about the art world, or it's like... Not intimidating art. Right. Like if you were to go into LACMA and see all the, you know, yeah. Renaissance painters and things like that, and you're like, what am I supposed to feel? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, uh, uh, just real quick, feel whatever you want, guys. Exactly. That's the rule. <laughs> but it's, it's fucking cool shit, dude. That exhibit yeah. was so. And Robert, cool. I mean, it's still up. The Robert Williams show is fucking insanity. Yeah. The dude is a legend. Go see it if you're in the area. So what we'll do, too, is there will be a couple pictures on our Instagrams of a couple of the pieces we saw. Right. Um, so you can get an idea of what is actually there. Then obviously you can Google image anything else he's ever done. Yeah. Um, but it's so worth going to. It's in Barnsdale's in Los Feliz. It's yep. free. It's free. It's there for like another month. It's great. We loved it. Um, and then we just get into it. A lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff is to be learned, which is always good. Hot art boners. Yeah. So. Should have been the name of this episode. Wow, man. Oh, shit. All right. Okay. Well, 20 years of juxtaposing. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Parentheses, hot art boners. Hot art. All right. Enjoy this episode. We love you. Now this episode, uh, this is in your wheelhouse. Yeah. So speak away. We, as I listen like an idiot. We went to no. a place in LA called the Barnsdale Park. Yes. It's like one of these, uh, you know, city-run community spaces where most of the stuff sucks, and it's beautiful. And you're like, this is a, what a cool, big, beautiful thing that's like a park. But you never go there ever. It's weird because it's like it's in Los Feliz, yep. and like if you drive by it on like Hollywood, right before, just west of Vermont, you see like a parking lot and yeah. then like a hill. Yeah, and you have no idea what's up there. And you go to the top, and there's like 
like at least four buildings yeah. and like a whole park area. There's people doing yoga. There's a dude fucking playing guitar. And then the art galleries. Yeah, it's it's the there's a gal there's space there. It's called the L.A. Municipal Art Gallery, and I have never been there in my whole life. Yeah. I went there once. I told you years ago to see a small show of a a, a person that was being billed as a pint sized Picasso. It was a seven year old girl who painted abstract paintings. Yeah. I don't know why I went. I can't. It was just you know. It's just like one of these like those kind of community spaces are always built with like the right idea. But they tend. I never find my way. I never find myself actually partaking in any of the shit they do, because mm-hmm. it's all you know. It's some real like, I don't know. Like, it's stuffs like I. I kind of feel is like corny. Okay, well, let me from a uh, from a layman's point of view, or just like an obs- a casual observer, right. You don't like it because you know that world very well. So you'd go there and be like, "This isn't that great." But for someone who's just like, "Hey, I live in the neighborhood. I'd like to go to an art right. gallery thing." Is there at least stuff where you'll be entertained? And I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's it's like it's it's very like the places like that are always big on like culture. So it'll it the yeah the, fuck culture. The programs they put there are like <laughs> they're all over the place. Like it'll be like a performance of Native American drumming and then it'll be like a children's performance of Shakespeare and then it'll be like mm-hmm. a pottery show and it's stuff that's kind of all over the place because they're trying to... The whole point is like showcasing community and different cultures and so it's like there won't be... When I see stuff about like those places, there won't be tons of shit I find super interesting and okay. you're like, I got to make sure to remember to check on if see if there's anything good at Barnsdale yeah. and you kind of just forget <laughs> Because right. most stuff you check in, you go, ah, I don't know if I care about whale sculpture or whatever it is. It's, you know, it's not super focused. The focus is that it's not focused, kind of. That's kind of the point. Right. Yeah. Which I guess is good and bad if you have like, yeah, if you want just art gallery. Things, yeah. You're going to be like, all right, they'll have one a month. But if you're just like, I just want shit to do and like, yeah, I, it's like there's like community art classes for kids mm-hmm. and uh, you can take like. You, there, there's a uh, figure drawing workshops there, and like pottery workshops, and like uh-huh. I think there's music workshops and dance workshops. It's a you know a community situation. I know in the summer too. I don't know if they still do this, but they had like outdoor movie screenings. I went to one of those okay. once, and that was kind of cool. They play yeah. like cult classic films, kind of like they do at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, just yeah. not as a big of a deal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a cool park, and I'm glad they're like doing stuff with it now. I think they've been doing stuff with it the for decades. We just haven't noticed. I mean, I went to that pint-sized Picasso show in like 1997. Yeah. I don't think they shut it down after that. Right. It's just it's not stuff that I noticed or whatever. I didn't. I I probably missed out on tons of cool stuff that was there. I just didn't pay much attention. Yeah, because I didn't know about this juxtaposed thing until you mentioned it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's like fucking right down the street from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this show it was two basically a a, a thing split in two. It was called. It's the 20th anniversary of Juxtapose magazine, so it was called Juxtapose uh, Under the Influence. Now we posted a couple of things on Twitter and Instagram. Please ask us any questions you have, and we got a question, and this should be addressed right away. Yeah, what is the Juxtapose movement <laughs> or it's, the magazine? Like the ju- Juxtapose is an art magazine that is is categorized, and it kind of it kind of came up with its own category because a friend of mine asked me a question on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, you know, it's it's called the lowbrow uh, 
movement. Mm-hmm. Now, in like the first issue of the lo- of Juxtapose, apparently they 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 published a manifesto written about lowbrow art by Robert Williams. Yeah. Now, my friend Mark Murphy, who's a designer and an artist, uh, he sent me a question. A very what sounds like a very loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it says, "Why is lowbrow art not credited to the right authors?" One generation before Robert Williams' manifesto was published in early issue of Juxtapose. Well, shots fired. I'm guessing it has <laughs> something to do with the fact that Robert Williams was one, the person who started Juxtapose magazine. Oh, he started. Yeah, he oh. was like the first, like big. He started it. Okay. So, you know, if you start the magazine, you get to put in your own manifesto. That's true. And I don't know that he credited himself in his manifesto, but a lot of times that's what tends to happen with an art movement. It's not necessarily the inventor. It's like the one who maybe got a little famous after, you know, that that is kind of the thing. But okay. it's considered lowbrow art. Lowbrow art is, which I don't... See, that for for me... That sounds like it has very negative connotations. In the art world, it does. So, are, was this them going like, "We're gonna take back, we're gonna take that yeah. word and give power"? Well, it was to kind it. of them being like, "We're not gonna make it in these in the big art world, anyways." Yeah. So fuck you guys. Yeah. It's like punk, right. and a lot of it came out of like it's it's rock and roll art, hot rod art. Yeah. Things it's a bit, it's kind of like where it's where applied art and fine art kind of meet. Yeah. So you're talking about guys who were like pinstripers and guys who did illustration and were figurative painters because you know the fact is for the last say hundred years the predominant mode of art that is the most popular is installation abstract art. That's the biggest. That's represented the biggest things in the art world of the last you since know. The, since the early twentieth century. Yeah. Right? Okay. For the most part. So being a figurative painter. So what happened to like impressionists and people like that? Where they you could they see, they got like oversaturated and they just became less cool. Once abstract, so they were the hair bands of the kinda. era, and then guys like Picasso came in and nirvana yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, okay, <laughs> they were like yacht rock, right? right and right. so you know, it was just considered kind of considered kind of passe and only for the sake of beauty and like mm-hmm. kind of devoid of any conceptualism. And then so once conceptualism came in, it made that stuff look kind of stale and not that smart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, by virtue of that, it made it less valuable, and then this new shit was new and hot and exciting, and and people got into it. And it's still, you know, that kind of stuff is still the big stuff, yeah, for the most part in modern art. Okay. There are exceptions to the rule, but there are exceptions to the rule. Right. Now, like Robert Williams, and th- what happens in juxtapose, the people that are successful in that world, of which there aren't tons, to be honest, mm-hmm. there aren't like tons and tons of artists making a living solely as artists there are very few people that do that period it's really hard what would the your estimate be low thousands in the world wow who just make paintings like low single digit thousands like seven thousand i'd say like 10 or twenty thousand people okay maybe more i don't know but it's not a lot people that literally all they have to do is make paintings and sell them or make art and sell it most of lots of artists have other jobs. They teach things like that. Yeah. So it's really really difficult. Now, the juxtaposed artists that make a living are like the exceptions to the exception to the rule. Where not only are they figurative painters a lot of time, mm-hmm. they're doing stuff that is also considered even lamer by like the 
the kind of big el- the big part of the art world, which is like you know the big art critics and big art magazines and museums. Yeah, the they guys just don't like- ascots. Yeah, yeah, those guys. They're wearing all black. <laughs> they have very interesting glasses. Yeah, yeah. They're loaded, and they're into conceptual art. And and nothing is con- nothing's less conceptual to them than just a really well-made painting that seems to be about nothing but making a well-made-looking painting. Mm-hmm. Robert Williams is maybe the was the first big guy to... He was the first, I'd say, I guess, successful guy in that movement mm-hmm. to really make... To Around what year is this? He f- it seems to me he starts to be popular in the 80s. Oh, 80s. that late? Yeah. Oh, I, in my head, for some reason, it was the 60s or 70s. I don't know why. I don't know that I don't know that he was like a successful like selling paintings guy then. Okay. Cuz that was when he Maybe I he, think that cuz he's so old now. Yeah, he okay. came in he kind of got popular because of what uh or, or got noticed Zap Comics, which was him, R. Crumb's uh guy named Spain, I believe. But wasn't that in the late 60s, 70s? I believe that was 70s. Okay. I think. Right. I'm probably wrong. But he, I don't think he became a big successful painter more into like into the eighties. Okay, and you know, especially the eighties, pop art was huge. Right. So, and he, I've read some of his, you know, in his books, I've read. He talks about like being in art school, in I guess it would have been the sixties or something, and mm-hmm. just being shunned. <laughs> right. <laughs> that he wanted to just make draw, make like real, like you know, figurative paintings. Yeah. Just being fucking shunned. Yeah. Because. And not so much shunned because he wanted to make that stuff, but shunned that he wanted to make it as fine art. Yeah. Because at that time, it just wasn't the thing. You know, pop art's a bunch of like splatter paintings and targets and a big painting of the American flag over and over again and soup cans and all this kind of Uh things. And the 80s were even like, pop art started in the 60s and 70s and stuff with Warhol and shit. But by the 80s, it gotten even more ridiculous. Right. Where it was just these wacky ass abstract paintings that are so stupid. To me. Like to me, I just look at them, and and I like abstract art. I really do. And I but I look at that era of abstract art. And I'm like, that is some of the dumbest shit. Yeah. It's just like it literally looks wacky. Right. It's just like wee. <laughs> like to yeah, me, yeah. it looks so stupid. It's just, and and that it's interesting because that kind of abstract painting is really popular right now again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's ironically popular, but all these young artists are making these kind of dopey abstract paintings right now and they're doing very well doing it and to me you just, i just look at it and i'm like i i'm i kind of get it for a second i'm like but i know i'm like in my head i'm like i know what you're doing there mm-hmm. you can just make these paintings all day long and you come up with kind of a high-minded explanation of them but there's nothing really there right but robert williams i mean you i'm curious because you we walked around you saw all of his shit yeah which there's a lot of and you yeah. it's it's a lot of his career it probably goes all the way back to the early you know early mid 80s mm-hmm. to now and then you walked around the juxtapose area of just in it which is a giant group show full of basically what juxtapose probably picked as far as like artists from that have been in their magazine that they consider part of their movement. Right. Did you feel a difference between them and Robert Williams? Well, it depends on the, and I didn't really take a close look at what era each room was in. I don't even know. If That's it was all separated. modern shit. So, all, I, all the stuff in the juxtaposed rooms. No, I'm co- saying Robert Williams oh, okay. stuff. Yeah, so yeah. were the were the different? Because it didn't seem like. Each room was separated into like here's his earlier. No, it jumped like, around. So it did jump around. Okay, yeah. but a lot of it seemed like 
when I saw the Robert Williams stuff and then went to the juxtaposed rooms, um, they all seem like offshoots of things that he had done earlier, or they yeah. were like influences. What those huge uh, paintings he had with like the um, like whatever figure would be in the front and all kinds of insane shit yeah. going on in the background. A lot of those huge figures you'd see like whoever the the guy Ryden ripped off. Yeah, uh, Margaret. Uh, yeah. So you'd see like similarities between yeah. them and the way he would draw people and faces and, right. and things like that. And then, um, I mean, there were so many other like artists. So I didn't even like remember names, um, but they all seem like, oh, that is, you could all tell it was all from that world. Yeah. He's yeah. a huge influence on that world, which yeah. is and has been my problem with the juxtaposed movement mm-hmm. is it's exceptionally derivative of itself. Yeah. It's very incestuous. But couldn't you say that that goes for every every movement? It yeah, it is. And that's why movements are I find movements kind of annoying. In yeah. every movement there's really only two or three people that and are then good. It's just like a carbon And copy. then there's everybody else. And yeah. and and it, they almost get they almost get talked about like they're better than they are when they're part of the movement. It's like the it's like the beautiful loser movement that mm-hmm. that huge show the, or the art in the streets show at Mocha. Mm-hmm. It's like there really is only five or six people that made it out of that movement and did anything rad. Yeah, and may, were able to really just be artists, and everyone else is just kind of trailed behind. Now, I was one of those people that sort of trailed behind the beautiful loser movement. What is the beautiful loser? It movement? was like it. It was kind of this thing that came out of like San Francisco, mm-hmm. skate art, graffiti, and just kind of like, kind of like dirtbag artists, not yeah. lowbrow, just like an, almost like hi- more hippie-ish. Right. Got and the and the big people from it are Ed Templeton, right, Barry McGee, uh-huh. Chris Johansson, uh, Margaret Kilgallen, Alicia McCarthy, mm-hmm. and they're fucking great. Like they're truly, truly great. Yeah, Deanna Templeton also mm-hmm. like they're they're really rad, but then like there was a million people after them, me included. We were pretty good, <laughs> but yeah. like we weren't as rad as they were. Yeah, and you think part of that were like, but part of that was just our age. We were at the age of the people that were doing it, or they're just a little far behind, and some and our aesthetic was similar enough to where the galleries that showed them wanted to show us too. But do you think part of that radness is because it's like? Yeah, you guys are good, but not as good strictly because they were there before you. Like, I mean, as no, far they're as also better artists. To, I okay. mean, honestly, like Chris Johansson and Alicia McCarthy are ripped off all the time. Yeah, and they're re- they're just great. But they're as far as like technical skill go, there have to be some younger guys who are just as. Oh no, technically, yeah. But then it's like they're like as far as taking a vision and putting but it on. Beautiful paper. Losers wasn't about the Beautiful Loser movement was kind of not about technical skill at all. It was uh-huh. more about just like kind of the ethos of it. Okay. It's kind of punky. Yeah, yeah. Know? And but the the juxtaposed movement is a lot about technical skill. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of where it sort of starts to lose me. Like we were, you know, we were in the one room and I pointed out a couple paintings. I was like these are the paintings. These are my least favorite type of oh, art yeah, in the world. Yeah. It's a when it's someone who just paints a really well-made painting of a hot girl. Yeah. That's literally all and they kind of make it seem like there's something else going on. But there's not. Yeah. And I, I just, it's all technical skill. I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I've been painting, lately when I draw, I've been making stuff a little tighter. And what I think about is when the way, when I think about painting something and trying to make it look real, 
in my head, it's like it needs to. If you're, if the way you're painting isn't about the thing you're painting, but about how you paint, then I think you've got you're getting it a little wrong. Okay. So when I see someone, like to me, those paintings are like beautiful women, or about two things: aren't girls beautiful? Mm-hmm. Great, sort of boring, but also look how dope I paint, though. Right. It's that. It's like it's it's all style. It's, it's only style. Indulgent. It's yeah. It's a little self indulgent, and there, there's like I don't see any reason behind it. Right, and that. When I saw those, that that to me was the least juxtaposed of all the juxtaposed artists. What do you think? Because I was think? just like, I mean, there weren't any like, to me, I wasn't like this is boring. I was just like, this isn't as like on the fringe as yeah. a lot of these other things were because there were some things, especially Robert Williams, where they were like, like comic book looking yeah. characters where you're like, this is bizarre and yeah. it's. It's interesting because it's a little bit bizarre. The good artists that, the, the, like, you know, the luminaries of the juxtaposed movement are interesting. Right. They're more creative. That's the thing. Robert Williams is clearly very creative. Oh, when yeah. When you look at those paintings, there's a million things going on. And they're not arbitrary. He's he's composed them because he wants to tell a story with them. Yeah. And he's clearly gone to great lengths to sit there and think of something interesting, which to me is the opposite of just painting something to, that looks cool and nice yeah i actually there, to me there's a big difference between painting something to look cool and look nice there's something to in my head like a vase full of flowers mm-hmm. that you sit there and make look unbelievable that to me is way more valuable than just like trying to make it look cool right cool to me is empty as shit well his huge pieces looked both nice and cool yeah because you're like you look at them and like the colors like jump out at you and they're like bright in a way that you don't that you almost you're like that's got to be the lighting in the room reflecting onto it and then you get closer and you're like no that's just like how amazing it looks and then you like you almost have to look at them in sections because there's so much shit going on that's and then the closer you get like the detail is like I mean, I can't even fathom it because I can't draw. So I'm just like, this it's is fucked up. Like, if someone was like, "Hey, Nick, you have to replicate that," I'd be like, "Well, I'll see you in three years," because like that's how long it's going to take me. I look at those paintings, knowing how to paint, and I look at them and I go, "God damn, dude!" Yeah, they are so time consuming. See, for me, like that, because we've talked about this in other episodes. We're like, why go to a, why go to an art gallery when you yeah. can just see the pictures? Like today was another example, another reason why it is fascinating to look at art in real life because you can get right up to it yeah. and see the detail and like yeah. try to understand how that could happen and then be impressed by it and the artist versus like Google imaging a bunch of art. You're like, that's cool. That's nice. That's yeah. weird. That's pretty. That's this. That's to me the, the best part is like getting up close and seeing like, I'm like, oh, he did it like that. Uh, you know what I realized when I was like, watching you watch art uh-huh. i was like i was like i can tell now who is in who is probably an artist by the way they look at art right because you were six inches away from this painting with your glasses drooped down right, yeah. and your eyeball like <laughs> i mean not even eight inches away from the thing you were yeah. looking at and you're just like staring into it yeah and i look i'm like if i didn't know him i'd be like that guy's probably an artist well i want to like look up close and, yeah, and yeah. be like how how'd you do this <laughs> right how big was the brush yeah, yeah. like were we you know because like you can look at it and figure it out 
So I'm like, hey. like from far away, I'm like, dude, how did he do that? So you get up close, you're like, oh, yeah, you son of a bitch, <laughs> you son of a bitch, tiny cross hatches, like whatever it is. Right. But yeah, you kind of look so that you know. And he's a guy. Robert Williams is a guy that early on I definitely copied. Not like copied. I literally drew some of them. I remember being a kid, went to the farmer's market with my grandmother and her sister, which is that your great aunt? I don't know. Grandmother and her sister. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah. And so, I, and I got my aunt, that, the, my great aunt to um, buy me a, a copy of Thrasher and Robert Williams did the cover and, I, and, it, and it had like a naked lady inside of a taco like uh-huh. this dope painting. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck. And I, you know, I copied as a, like a kid. I copied a lot of that stuff. Also, Robert Williams, it should be noted, did the fucking Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction cover. That's pretty fucking cool. Like, I mean, he that's sort of... And the painting on the inside, which is this image of a woman who's been attacked by this insane robot with like a million... It's insanity. Uh-huh. He was... I mean, the dude matters to visual culture he's like affected it and so as a and but even as a he was always a little when i was a kid i want to say it was like too gnarly for me like his i would look at him be like this stuff i don't i didn't get it it was like it almost seemed like a little scary it was like too close to the edge for me yeah i was like i don't get this that seems that seems like too upsetting like right. oh that that woman's been attacked. And I was like, dude, who fucking draws this yeah. shit? What kind of evil person? Yeah, and then and then as I got like older, I thought I was gonna be like a juxtaposed artist. Probably when I was like eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. I was really into like hot rods and like punk and stuff like that. I was like, oh well, this is what I will be. Yeah. I'll be like a figurative painter in the juxtaposed world, of which I wasn't. I and then once I got exposed to like other shit it like changed but he yeah to me he's just way better than all the other people right <laughs> i mean like you know you have him you have mark ryden i guess todd shore is a big one to come out of there uh i mean those are like the the big ones that kind of like come to mind mm-hmm. and then everyone else is like rad but they're not they're not like as as rad as him so how was how was juxtapose evolved from what it was in the 80s to like now it's it when it first started it was really really focused on hot rods tattoo art Mm -hmm. some skateboard stuff and graffiti that's the thing the thing that was great about juxtapose that's where i found out about barry mcgee right i mean they had an early 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 issue with barry mcgee in it where it was like his sketchbooks and shit and it was like just when he was doing graffiti he was just just barely starting to get into like doing gallery stuff and so the great what's great about that magazine is they do find people who are like still street level and new yeah before you know they're willing they're willing to like do stuff i mean they did stuff about people i went to school with while they were still in school his wow. article about my friend Simon when he was still in school. Like, Jeff Soto had something about him, like, maybe right when he was graduating. That's crazy. So, like, they're kind of out there trying to find what's, like, new and young and interesting. Now, the problem with that is a lot of times they find people that are incredibly derivative. Yeah. That's always been my problem with them is they publish the ripoff people. But they have to fill a magazine. Yeah. I mean, do you think that they're aware of that? That they're They have to be. They're like, not dumb people. Right. But I think... Does he still kind of oversee the magazine? No, I don't believe so. He doesn't. 
I don't think he has for like a long time. But he's still like he's the dude though on the ch- like the the yeah board he's probably the like you know he's probably like an editor in chief of some kind yeah, yeah or creative director or something like that right you know I think I I don't know if that magazine got bought out or something but he's still the dude there you know and he's still the main time to look that information up his like his 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 kind of effect on that world is still super big because that's the thing he's in his seventies. And you can still see that, like, a lot of the other artists in that world still haven't, like, surpassed him necessarily. Yeah. And to me, it's just a matter of, like, I think it's a byproduct of when he went to art school. Because he probably went to, he went to art school in, like, the 50s and 60s. You had to learn how to draw for reals. And at this point in art school now, you can kind of skip that if you want. Because of computers and Computers crap. and it's not... Being an illustrator doesn't necessarily mean drawing the human figure, and they're you know. So you, there's people like working artists out there that probably can't draw a human being. No, not well. Wow. And with you know abstract art, you don't have to necessarily be a draftsperson. Whereas he was in that in between era. Uh huh. It's really interesting to me. There's a there's a documentary about him I haven't watched yet called Mister Bitchin. Okay. I'm a, I'm actually it's interesting to me that he stuck to his guns as long as he did. And I'd be curious to f- really know how he made a living for a while. Because there's, you know, I mean I know he lived in like North Hollywood in like the 70s and 80s, which you think North Hollywood's inexpensive now. It must have been Oh yeah, $80 a month. Like yeah. Crazy. <laughs> you got cheap. a house for $100. Yeah. But it's always interesting to me when someone cuz I, you know, I'm so susceptible to other people's opinions. That guy must have heard his... And if you look up, like, bad reviews of Robert Williams, that guy has been skewered for decades. Yeah. Just for decades. Like, this art is garbage, this fucking lowbrow shit, you know, and and it's just all... People hate it. People hate it. And he probably just turned off that ear to the criticism, like, early on. I mean, he got into the Whitney Biennial a couple... Maybe two Biennials ago. Yeah. Which the Whitney Biennial is a humongous thing to get into in the like the big art world, yeah. like the big blue chip uh, million dollar auctions art world. If you get in the Whitney, you're you're a big artist from that point on. It's crazy for the most part, or you at least have a huge start. You're usually pretty big already. So he gets into the Whitney, but it's those little watercolor paintings that you saw. Okay, yeah, they, they're like probably eleven by fourteen. Yeah. They only kind of look like his work. They're like these very simple sort of pretty little watercolors with like little sentences on them. And that's what he got in like the Whitney Biennial. And I was reading an an interview with him and he was just like, yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, just be in the Whitney and keep my mouth shut so I don't get in trouble. Right. <laughs> and like he goes, you know, at this point, it's not going to like affect my career. He's already, he has like a big, the people that collect him, collect him. They're not being going to be swayed by the art world if they were it's too late right you know people have been saying his art's fucking shitty for so so long but that that's what's i mean you you said something about like how like what do his paintings cost yeah i think they're in the hundreds of thousands for like the biggest ones the big ones are probably like a hundred grand 200 grand something like that and and it's interesting because some of the paintings in the show would say like courtesy of the artist now that usually means that the artist it's they have it which means he probably didn't sell it or he may not have sold it. I don't, it's like he probably makes more paintings than he sells, which 
it's weird that he's that famous. Most famous artists, like we were going to go to this that show of John Curran. Mm-hmm. John Curran can't keep a painting in his studio. They just go every because like, they're investments. Right. You can make a shit ton of money like flipping one, probably. That's crazy. But like Robert Williams, it's same with like Mark Ryden. Him and Mark Ryden have this really similar thing to where they are the most expensive artists in their in their group by a mile. Yeah. It's like that theory of like. The, don't buy the most expensive house on the block. Right. Because then you're always going to be the highest priced one. It's hardest to sell. It's like Robert Williams paintings are a fuckload of money. Some people will pay it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't because I don't, it's not, it's not like as big of a slam dunk that he'll be a huge investment as an artist because museums don't like him. So if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar painting or $200,000 painting, most of the artists at that price level are going are in museums already are going to be in museums so does mark ryden have that problem where like museums because his stuff doesn't look like it would fit at like lacma it, do, it doesn't and, and he they, is do he they is, feel that way about him yes too? he is not critically acclaimed at all he doesn't get written about in art magazines by like the high-end yeah art one, right. there, you know there's like four there's important art magazines like freeze art forum uh-huh. uh, flash art they don't tend to write about him at all that's so crazy you know, or the, this like, he's considered not a. I don't know. I, I it feels shitty to say like he's not considered a serious artist, but like he clearly Williams. is. No, but either one of them oh, right, yeah. by them. Rob, Mark Ryden isn't considered a serious artist. He's like you That's know crazy. The, yeah, but like his paintings are unbelievably expensive. You can't buy them. They're sold before they're done. Yeah, you know, it's like waiting. So I have lists. A, a question that relates. To the what John Kern, right? John Kern, yeah. Uh, John Kern can't keep a a thing, a, yeah. a piece in his in his what a studio, and then Robert Williams probably makes a lot more than you see. How often do you think, like in general, are artists like that? Because it works that way with like you know music and comedy and things where like you write way more than you actually present to the world, right? For artists, how much do you think they're like? painting and drawing and sculpting and all this stuff how much do you think they make that never sees the light of day because with jokes or like songs not to take away from the talent that goes into that stuff yeah. like you can make that stuff at least like quicker than you can an entire fucking sculpture or yeah. like a huge painting i would say that guys at that level they really know what they're doing right so they're not so much experimenting while they're painting and then it's like oh it didn't come out good it's like if you, you and you saw like some you saw like robert williams does lots of those like sketches yeah you know he works out the composition beforehand he kind of decides is this going to be a good painting before he paints it because he knows well once i sit down and do this fucker yeah it's a month and a half well there is also is these uh the, that side of the artist too that can conceptualize something whatever it's going to be you know painting song whatever yeah. and then do it and then the them being artists can go fucking I hate this, and then it never sees a lot of day. Yeah, no, I uh, I mean my drawers are full. Yeah, of tons of shit I thought was going to be real rad, and then I finish it and I'm like, Ugh. yeah. And but to be honest, uh, the stuff I still like are the things I've made that I think are good. No one likes, or they are they're the least liked. Yeah. Where I'm like, no, 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 you guys don't get it. This one's hot shit. Yeah, yeah. It's if when I post things on Instagram, the things I think are great are never great. Or ne- people don't like them nearly as much as the things I think are like okay. Right. But with guys like that, 
And especially because of the way they paint. John Curran and Robert Williams, both are oil painters. Mm. They take a really long time. Yeah, that's why I asked that. Because the the amount of work that must go into it, it's like either they got to like, no, no. I don't think they fin. I bet you he doesn't finish them if they start to suck. He's like, nah, no. Right, right. You okay. paint over it and start over. Uh, speaking of Instagram, we have a question. Uh, well, two, two-parter, I guess. Or two questions. Uh, how did the juxtaposed movement differ from its art scene counterpart on the East Coast? I didn't. I don't know what the art scene counterpart on the East Coast is. Okay. And part, uh, question two. Oh, you mean at the time? Okay. I guess yeah, at the time. Yeah. Um, that will be answered in our next episode, <laughs> I guess maybe. Uh, and what piece from the exhibit was your favorite? Oh well, I think what how it would differ from the scene on the, the East Coast scene, and by that I hope I think you probably mean New York. New yeah. York is just a bigger art scene. New York is still the predominant art scene in kind of the world. Right. And so there is 10 times as much money. The art scene in LA is getting pretty big and crazy, to be honest. Is it really? Yeah. A lot of big galleries are buying huge warehouse spaces downtown. Mm-hmm. The art scene, And New York has become so expensive. LA is one of the last... LA is one of the only places with lots of rich people that also you can still find cheap studio space. Right. Every art scene is every art scene starts with cheap studio space, mm-hmm. and you can still find a warehouse space downtown. So the LA art market is getting kind of gnarly, but New York is always going to be the biggest art city in the country. It just yeah. is because you have the most amount of people, you have the most amount of money. They take art. Art is a way bigger part of the culture in New York than it is here, and so. There's something actually, one of the things I like about the juxtaposed scene is it's very West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's a West Coast scene. Hot rods, surf art, skate art. Yeah, yeah. It's a California thing for the most part. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's how it, it differs. It's almost more, it's almost more about c- local culture than just the art scene in New York. Whereas the art scene in New York, I don't know what it's about except art. Right. There's no like, oh, that's a New York, you don't look at a New York artist and go, oh, you can tell they're from New York. There's too many different kinds of art being made in New York. Right. There's no such thing as like a New York style of art, except for the fact that it's really fucking expensive. And all their museums are way more international. Yeah. Anyway. There's also more of them. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like there's it's like ten to one or some crazy shit. Oh yeah. Art is a huge art is just way more part of the culture in New York. Yeah. Everyone go like most people go see art in New York. I mean, there's gallery nights. They had to cha- keep changing the days because galleries didn't want to compete with each other. So it used to be Friday, Saturday. Then it was Thursday. Now, I mean, there's a gallery opening every night of the week somewhere. Lots of them because so many people want to go look at art. It's awesome. That is cool. And I mean, look, the best art in the world's probably being made in New York mm-hmm. just because the competition's high. So... You have, if you want to be a working artist, you cry to go to New York. That's like where people go. Yeah, still. To like probably be, like pursue it. Yeah. Right. You can, you can get found by the biggest, the biggest, most important galleries in the world are in New York or like the only other cities with Berlin has big, important galleries. I mean, there's, there's some spread out, Mm -hmm. but like the most important galleries are still in New York City for the most part. What was the other thing? That, uh, what was your favorite piece? Oh. Or, wait, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite... What piece from the exhibit was your favorite? It'd be funny if that was your answer. Just like <laughs> fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those big... It's weird because my favorite piece is probably the thing he didn't actually make himself. 
Those big sculptures are rad. Yeah, I wish I took a picture of one of those. It was just hard to like how what picture could do this thing justice because yeah. it would just be an angle. They took he he took some elements from paintings, and he had he worked with. I I read a little bit about it. He worked with like you know like a a a, a manufacturing type deal where they made these huge fiberglass sculptures mm-hmm. of uh, of his some of his art. The one with like the multiple like fanged mouths on a wheel was pretty rad. Yeah, it was like a ferris wheel not a ferris wheel but like a carrot no it was just a yeah a carousel i guess yeah made out of like giant mouths with fangs yeah no it wouldn't be carousel it would be ferris wheel because yeah yeah. oh yeah ferris wheel right yeah it looked so cool fiberglass sculpture when it's done right is so rad because they airbrush them the paint job is perfect Mm -hmm. and then they're shiny as shit it looks brand new (laughs) yeah that thing could have been five years that's why i said it looked like something you see at disneyland but maniacal and brand new and perfect yeah yeah, he, I really mean, cool. my favorite Robert Williams painting is probably, it's called Rod Flip. Mm-hmm. They had a print of it in the show. They didn't have the original. The original is owned by Nicolas Cage. But it's a... I wonder if it's still owned by Nicolas Cage. Remember when it went broke? Yeah. I, I heard Johnny Depp floated him. Oh, wow. Because he's the reason Johnny Depp got into show business. He was like, just come with me and meet my agent. Wow. And so Johnny Depp like agreed to pay his mortgages until the until he could you know get them all get all the castles sold it's fucking <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah but uh nicholas cage i believe was the last owner of rod flip and it's this great painting of their it's like hot rod cars and they're racing and one's clearly flipping so it's flipping through the air and like people are being tossed out of it yeah and there's someone in like a deuce coupe looking backwards towards it yeah it's fucking cool just the angle of it so that's a it's so dynamic Robert Williams is great at making paintings look dynamic. It's not just, you know, a, a flat looking at someone just stale kind of thing. They're like the kind of the things I make. <laughs> but he fucking things are co- you're looking at things from bizarre angles and things are coming at you from all over the place. You know, he really he really sits there and cons- I I'd be really curious to see him talk about like how long it takes him to conceptualize some of these things. Cuz they don't look like ideas you come up with quick. Oh, There's not too at much all. shit involved. There, yeah, every like section is a, could be a standalone on its own thing. I mean, I would be shocked if he was making more than three or four or five paintings a year, the big yeah. ones. Because, man, there's a lot of work in there. So what, you sketch for one day, come up with a good idea, make a good sketch. Then you're like, okay, this sketch is good. You graph it. Then you get the canvas ready. <laughs> then you draw it on canvas with a pencil. Then you got to go. What kind of steps are involved in getting a canvas ready? Well, you buy it. Well, he has money, right. so you buy it stretched. You probably go. He probably has someone who makes them. Stretch it. it. Maybe if he has assistance, which is his level, he probably has an assistant gesso it. Maybe he likes doing that. I don't know. He has an assistant what? Gesso the canvas. What does that mean? You paint. Put a cone of uh, what's called gesso paint on it. Mm-hmm. It's just like it evens the surface and it holds. It's just a thing you do. I'm not sure. Well, usually, really good canvas comes raw, and oil paint will like soak through it. So you gesso it. Gesso's like acrylic paint. Right. And then that's so. Then you gesso it. Fucking put the graph on there, which uh-huh. he graphs them. Which is I don't think he projects them. So he puts a graph on there, and then he redraws the fucker in pencil, which is no small feat. Especially some of those paintings in there, there's some really good type. Yeah. Like, he's really good at type. Like, sign painter good at type. Yeah. So it's not like the drawing phase is quick, and it's not loose. It's not loose at all. Yeah. So then now after that, he's got to outline it in 
I the way he paints, I think he outlines the whole thing in uh like burnt umber oil. Maybe he does acrylic because it's a little faster. So then he does like a one color line painting of the whole thing. How much so far? Where we're we at now? Right. How much money has he spent? just this far into making what uh, he's made the, thus far d- not a lot the big canvas is probably 200 bucks that's it yeah oh big canvas isn't super uh, although he probably gets really nice stretcher bars let's say two to three hundred bucks okay okay now like i said he uses these really fancy ass brushes right siri windsor newton series seven sables yeah they are dope that sounds like a classic car they are <laughs> fucking i have some now yeah. They are. I don't even use them because I'm like this painting's not good. They're like for framed. They're literally. <laughs> I haven't used them. They're too nice. Yeah. So, you know, he's probably spent a couple, a few hundred dollars. He has to outline the whole fucking thing. Then he has to uh, uh, tone it. So he tones it with uh, uh, burnt sienna to get like it, which is light brown. He fucking light browns the whole thing. Then he does like a value painting uh, uh, of all the shadows and shit. With brown, probably. Then he does this thing. I saw it in an interview with him. He paints the whole background like kind of like a very loose, thin, m- rainbow patterny. Not like rainbow, like an arch, but just like like a mushy rainbow pattern underpainting. Mm-hmm. So that like every so when he paints over it, they're like multiple colors underneath. That's why everything feels not so much real, but like. I don't know. There's like a way he paints that everything feels like it's in the same space. Right. Because everything has the same kind of same color pattern underneath. So then he does that. By the way, all this stuff has to dry. It takes at least a day or a day and a half for oil paint to dry. So we're like six, seven days. Yeah, in we're right in. We're, so by the end of like four or five days, he's got maybe the underpainting, which by the way, doing the line drawing and the value study <clears throat> of the shadows and shit could fuck around and take a couple days. Right. It's pretty fucking, you know, this is involved stuff. Yeah. It has to look right. It the has level <laughs> of fucking patience yeah. you would have to have to do. I mean, also, he loves doing it. So it's it's not you like, know. oh, fuck this job, you know? Yeah, no, it's probably the only thing he likes doing. But the level of, like, focus you would have to have. Yeah. Now, granted, he's really good. So, you know, he's painting pretty quick, and he knows what he's doing in the shadow. You know, it's not like he's like, oh, what, what should the shadow look like? Like, he yeah. fucking knows. And then I mean when and then when it comes time to like sit and paint it, paint it. Dude, could be forever. Be like just blocking in the colors could take a couple days. And then the rendering, the rendering of it like the, sh- the actual shading and the highlights could take months, could take a couple months. Cuz you got to let it dry. Oil paint dries slow. Takes a day or so to dry. So maybe 2, 3 months to do a big piece like that. I'd think 2 months. And then you're going to take a month off just because you're like, I got to need a break. Well, here's the thing. It beats your eyes up really bad yeah. and your hand hurts. Yeah. Like, I mean, you you can't paint like 12 hours a day. Your back kills. I wonder what the carpal tunnel statistics are among like most I, Most teachers I had at some point got the operation. What operation? You can get carpal tunnel operation. To fix it? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Oh. I don't know what they do, but it's pretty, it's like... You know, it's it's an outpatient shit type yeah. deal. My sister got it. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, that's just the, the that's that to me is the difference between him and the other people in the in the most of the other people in what would you consider that world? Right. He takes more time in all, at every step. Mm-hmm. He spends more time being creative, thinking harder. 
There's more. There's just more involved in what he does than what most people do, and most of the, uh, the artists are just kind of like skating around, being like, "I'm with this." The, uh, the pretty girl paintings drive me nuts. Yeah, they drive me up the wall. Yeah, those are easily the most like boring <coughs> ones. They're just, just the least interesting. They're Where nothing to me. I didn't have any s- desire to like kind of hang around and look at it it's the same thing i feel the same way towards photographing of like hot naked women Mm -hmm. i don't it's like yeah man yeah erotic like anything it's like i make erotic art or erotic photography it's like dude i don't care yeah i just don't find it especially when they're traditionally hot girls i'm more even like interested when i see it and it's like old people or like what are considered like unattractive yes because there's way more going on although i think paintings of old people's a real cop out too because they're like a they're super wrinkly right so you're like look at all these wrinkles i painted that's got to be hard to do yeah that's why they did it because they know everyone looks and goes god look at all the wrinkles yeah 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 they know that's gonna happen that's why they did it also there's an inherent like uh, uh, like conceptual idea when it comes to painting an old person. Oh, they're at the end of their life. They're thinking about death. It's like this painting's about life and death and the journey. Okay, no, it's not. Yeah. It's about wrinkles, man. Yeah, it's about someone wanting to paint wrinkles. It's about showing off your skill level. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a problem with. Oh, I have a problem with like the. You see a lot of that. There's certain magazines. There's certain art magazines that they're while not lowbrow. They're like. They're only figurative. They, it's like you know how I'm always complaining about one, some of the people I follow on Instagram. Figurative painters love to tell you how long something tell, took them. Oh yeah, they're always like, just a little twenty minute oil study. Yeah. Just finish this four hour pre, uh, uh, a la prima painting. Like they, it's so important to them that if it's not like the most hyper rendered thing in the world, they tell you, oh, it took me three hours. Yeah, it's like, well, I don't care if it's good, it's good. But like, if you look at magazines that are devoted to just figurative painting mm-hmm. a lot of wrinkly old people right because it's just like yeah i paint really rad but i don't necessarily have an idea so what is a because now this juxtaposed movement has been around for like 20 30 years or whatever and according to mark murphy there was a lowbrow movement before that maybe a decade another generation more shots fired same guy <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> reloaded shot fired again <laughs> um okay yeah so so what was i gonna ask oh yeah um what is like a movement that has spawned from that movement or is there one i'd say the street now art. it's like a kind of sort of mainstream i would thing, say right? the street art movement is directly related to the juxtaposed movement because and now it's become its own thing, you're saying? Yeah, Why because this, the street art movement isn't really about graffiti. Mm-hmm. Street art, the street art genre, I think, is a lot to do with the style of art, that style of art making its way into the art gallery scene. Right. And I don't think you get that same... I don't think that happens without juxtapose. Okay. Because... They were a lot of the time some they were the first I think I really do think they were some of the first people to make to publish stuff about those artists. They kind of show those people first because they that's the kind of shit they're into. They're into graffiti. It's like you don't see a lot of shit about graffiti in traditional art magazines. You just don't. Right. So I would say what what people what people consider the street art world now, which is a huge, you know, 
Yeah. It's a very big part. It's it's not a big part of the mainstream art world, but it's what like lots of I would say what I would say quote unquote normal people like are into. Mm-hmm. People ask me all the time if I like street art or who's my favorite street artist. Right. Like Jesus Trejo is super into street art right now. Yeah. You know, and people like Banksy. Right. And artists like that. But I think that's directly related to Who's the eyeball guy again? Eyeball guy? It's like an eyeball with legs and arms. Mr. Something. No, uh, Mr. Uh, something. Uh, 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 well, that that was invented, I think, by... It's like a French guy. Ra- oh. Uh, What's his name? Mr. Brainwash. No, no, not that guy. Uh, oh, Andre. Fuck that dude. Because he has one down on Hollywood by Umami. There's Fuck like a- that dude all day. <laughs> Why? He went in the desert and he put that stupid... Easy to fucking draw, yeah. easy to tag with a spray can <laughs> character on like really nice rock formations in the desert. Uh, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Street, it's like an eyeball. He went into like, you know, his name's Andre with, I think there's an X in there too. He fucking sucks. He's always sucked. I've always thought he was garbage. You know why Andre's yeah. famous? Stickman is what I think what he's called. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Andre. Andre is his, if you look up graffiti artist Andre, it'll pop up. Oh yeah, that's something else though. His character is garbage. He's garbage. You know why he's popular? Because he's very good looking. Oh, he's really? French, and he hangs out with uh, famous French photographers and people that work in the fashion world. So he is cool by proximity because there's lots of pictures of him and hot girls. He right. sucks. And now <laughs> he fucking thinks it's real dope to tag like a, a really nice rock formation in the desert. Because, guys, that's what graffiti's about. So rebellious to tag a rock that doesn't belong to a business. Yeah, or any, but anything. Nothing says street art like tagging a tree, you piece of garbage. <laughs> I love how much you don't like this I'm guy. easy to find. Fight me, you <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> so annoying, dude. I've never heard you express such distaste. I mean, dude, Mr. Andre is that? Mr. It might be Mr. Andre. Trying to find a picture of him. It's just those like. He's very handsome. Great hair. Always wears a leather jacket. Very expensive wristwatch. Right. Yeah, there's no pictures of him. Oh yeah, here it is. Mr. Andre tagging in Joshua Tree. (laughs) Like, what the fuck would you do that for? Yeah, he's probably on drugs. Yeah, that's fucking kind of dumb. Yeah. Is Mr. Andre tagging in Joshua Tree? He yeah, obviously is. Where are you seeing pictures of him? Is that are they on his Instagram? Uh, if you look up, he works for that magazine Purple. Okay. His last name's something with an S. Andre like Sivi or something. Yeah, Sar Sar Sareva. S a s a r a i v a. Yeah. S a r a. If you Google image him, he pops up. He's super cool looking. Always surrounded by hot chicks. Yeah, I mean, when you're like a fucking like good-looking street artist, it's like you're gonna get so much pussy. Yeah, what he's not is anything. He's not a street artist. He's just a boring idiot. Is that like his only thing? Is that fig that Monopoly man looking? He tried to do a show at Col. He had a show at Colette where he did these like what he thought were like drawings. They're so fucking boring. Yeah, (laughs) what he thought were drawings. Oh yeah, he yeah he looks like what you would think. He yeah, looks like, like a, French fonts. <laughs> yeah, like a Swedish Portuguese fucking like artsy type. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Always hanging out with Terry Richardson. 
At least it keeps good company. I mean, look, man. I don't I, I don't hate on the lifestyle and I was okay of with Terry Richardson? Oh no, Terry Richardson's yeah. got it figured out. His lifestyle's a little uh Uh suspect. I don't uh uh I didn't have a problem with him until he started tagging on nature. Yeah. It's like dude, grow up. Yeah, that like belongs to everyone. Yeah, and the whole I mean graffiti I've always felt what I like about graffiti is you know, we're forced to see billboards and shit. We don't have a choice. Right. So graffiti to me has always been like, well, now I force you to see this. <laughs> yeah. And I will put it on the wall of one of these corporations that forced me to see the other thing. Right. Like, I like that shit. Yeah, I do too. Like, that. that's that's still punk to me. Like, the dude, you know, the guy from APC got in trouble for saying the N-word? Yeah. Well, there's this, uh, <laughs> there's this graffiti artist named Kid Ult. And he graffitied the N word on an ABC store, <laughs> and he, gra- he the, his mode of graffiti is not a spray can. He fills a fire extinguisher full of paint and covers like the tags oh, are ten, no. fifteen feet tall. I that mean, is when he hits your store, it is serious. You 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 can't miss it. He got famous for tagging high fashion stores, so he hit the Prada store. Wow. Big. Oh, I love this he guy. He hit What's the his name? Kid Ult. K I D U L T. This guy's serious. He hit the Supreme store. He hit Mew Mew, like Prada, Louis Vuitton. Like he hits he hits the high end shit and he, he does he hits the stores in Paris. Kid Ult. With, with this fucking it's like a big canister, like a oh, fire extinguisher. I love this guy. Like that, my friend, is graffiti. Oh, my God. If you just Google image Kid Alt, K-I-D-U-L-T, the first picture that pop is just like enormous letters covering a fucking retail store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's the shit. Yeah. Dude, and he yeah. walks around with a fucking skull mask and a hoodie on? Yeah. Dude, this guy is my new hero. Yep. Wow. Kid Alt, please come to our podcast, <laughs> and we won't reveal your true identity. He is the opposite of putting your garbage stick figure character <coughs> on, a on, defense, a rock. on a defenseless rock. Yeah, what did that rock ever do to you? Yeah, what 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 um what sweatshop was that rock made in? Oh wait, it wasn't. Yeah, stupid asshole. It was made in the sweatshop of God. Let there be no gray area. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Ugh. Wow, dude. Now, what if you found out he didn't? do the joshua tree graffiti it was just someone else he did though but i'm saying hypothetically okay well that happens like because that's easy to not easy but it's not as hard to copy oh no it is easy because it's fucking garbage (laughs) (laughs) yeah you could just draw a fucking couple of circles and the head circles to get a circle that looks circular is probably it's reasonably difficult but still if you can draw it's not impossible right but like remember in the 90s there was a really famous graffiti artist named chaka yeah who got arrested and they fined him like hundreds of thousands of dollars because they realized this dude had tagged everything in the city of los angeles <laughs> like this fucking guy yeah. went to work he got up at like eight started tagging at 8 yeah. 30 he was done at five like this guy went hard wow. and the, the urban legend of chalk is that he he got he tagged the elevator on the way out of his sentencing wow <laughs> that was that's the urban legend i don't know if that's true but that's and awesome. then uh, but then after a while he was like people are tagging chaka and i'm getting in trouble for it which i absolutely believe right I think I wrote chalk on something at some point. Yeah. Because you're just like, it's the most famous like tag name ever. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, there's probably some imposters doing shit, but like not in the desert. 
And if you were going to copy someone, you'd have you'd copy someone with a better character than your dumbass, <laughs> smiley-faced, one-fourth of a spider idiot in a top hat character. Yeah. I don't even know what that's supposed to be. Exactly. But yeah, there's one down. It's supposed to be easy to do quickly, which is a lot of right. a lot of people. That's You choose your tag name because you can do it fast. Yeah. So that character, there was a guy that tagged domino shapes. He did like three dominoes stacked. Yeah. It's about like something that's you can do it quick. I like the mosaic guy because that looks like it took a little space bit of invader. Work. Space invader, yeah. Space uh, invader's cool because it took a little bit of work to put together. He's but like then the, the cousin of uh, Mr. Brainwash. If you oh, watch yeah, X yeah. of the Gift Shop, well, Space Which Invader is a great documentary. X of the Gift Shop is great. It's really good. Yeah, Space Invader makes those at his house. He doesn't like mosaic them on. Oh no, site. yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm can. saying is like as far as like the application of street yeah. art that one like took some work to do at some point yeah but then i've seen video of him putting it i have like this giant, giant like pole yeah poles and then he'll put whatever glue and then like reach it's up it's not and, like, glue dude. it's epoxy and you cannot get it off that's great they are there and the thing is they kind of everyone just leaves them yeah because they don't they're not like they intrusive. look kind of nice <laughs> yeah they're like cool little like i've, I've seen a couple around yeah. la and i'm like oh there's a little, yeah, a little space <laughs> invader yeah they're cool yeah i think they're awesome yeah, I like when businesses when like when when someone like some street artist fucking graffitis up a wall or does whatever. I love when the businesses are like, no, we want to leave that there. Yeah, I mean, down the street, I'm almost positive that Shepherd Ferry mural on the corner is because there's a print shop on the inside of that mural mm-hmm. where the the building where that mural is. I want to say it's probably Shepherd Ferry's print shop. Whether he owns it, yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that was the thing in the um. In the 90s, the businesses on Melrose would let graffiti artists do murals in the back. Oh, they're all still there. Yeah. It's they pretty still awesome. Do them. That's another cool thing I tell people that visit L.A. So yeah. if you're going to visit L.A. this summer or whenever, uh, drive down Melrose Boulevard, Avenue, whatever, in between La Brea and Fairfax, where all yeah. those shops are, the famous Melrose area, everyone knows. Um, just south of Melrose and just north of Melrose in the alleys behind all those shops, yep. are, it's just covered yeah. in cool-ass murals. Covered in murals. Yeah. So during the day, drive around or walk through, it, it, there is some fucking cool shit. In the there. 90s, the best of those murals were done by this graffiti crew known as CBS. Yeah. My favorite of them was a guy named Mir, M-E-A-R. Great. Which I, It really bothered me that CBS wasn't in this Art in the Streets show at MoCA. I didn't understand yeah. it at all. Well, they went corporate and then started putting out shows like Two and a Half Men and like, <laughs> I had to do that. <laughs> they were the shit. Their yeah. name stood for City Bomb Squad. Well, that's a good and name. And they had like the best, they had some of the best graffiti artists of the time. Mm-hmm. And so all the backs of those stores were a lot of stuff by them. Right. So cool. And you could still just like walk through those alleys. There's tons of shit there all the time. On Mel- Melrose. Yeah. Oh, great. yeah. I, every once in a while, I just drive through there just because I'm like, oh, I haven't seen these in a while. And that's yeah. usually something new. Or, or you can see people working on murals. Yeah. Like freely, openly. Yeah. It's pretty cool. My friends did. There's one that's like a mural. It's partially of where the wild things are. Mm. My friends did that. That's cool. Part of the graffiti grew I was in. Yeah. I haven't been back there in, I mean, months and months. I, I got I to gotta go do that again. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's cool shit there. It's like yeah. a free out- outdoor art exhibit, basically. But yeah. yeah, a lot of that, you know, Juxtapose was one of the magazines that like 
they did articles on CBS and articles on Mir, and they did a mm. great article on like just the history of, like their article on the history of graffiti had them in it, and it like you know traced all the they they calling it street art doesn't just mean graffiti. They mm. they do what I would consider indigenous art. Mm. That sounds like you're talking about like you know cave drawings. natives and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also like, but it is kind of the modern day version of of cave drawings modern day graffiti stems from chicano art in the 50s and 60s yeah lettering like it it, it all stems from somewhere yeah like like hot rod art airbrush art surf art skate art that uh, that stuff i would consider like indigenous surf style airbrush art Mm -hmm. is like a indigenous to california thing yeah pinstriping i don't know where pinstriping started i don't know where von dutch came from but hot rod culture is a California thing. Oh, for sure. So that's what Juxtapose has been good at. They kind of like unearth these like indigenous things that yeah. are localized. And like the big art world gets a hold of them when they get big. Right. Like, you know, I don't think the big art world cares that much that Barry McGee is from San Francisco. Right. I mean, but it played a big part in who he was. Mm. I mean, his style of street art was very, very different than what was going on down here. It just was. Because San Francisco had a diff- San Francisco has a different, like, you know, different like political slant. It's a different culture up there. Oh yeah, you grew up in in you're a product of whatever environment. It was like hippie when, street art, hippie graffiti kind yeah. of. You know, it was just and he was more. I I think what he did was more interesting. Instead of instead of writing his name, which was Twist, he would just tag a giant screw. Yeah. That's oh yeah, funny. that's that's better. Yeah, that's better. Or he would just do like a drawing of a horse. I'm always less annoyed when I see, not that I get that annoyed, but <laughs> I'm always less annoyed when I see graffiti that is some sort of like drawing or something instead of just the name. Yeah, so if I, I mean, saw the name Twist, yeah, I'd be like, okay, there's a guy named Twist. But if I saw a screw, I'd be like, I wonder who that guy is. I, I got into graffiti because I wanted to do what were called characters. Right. I liked the lettering and I was okay at it, but I liked doing the characters better. Like yeah. that to me was more interesting. That's why I liked Mir. Mir was amazing. A character still is. Did he ever do the name twist and the screw? Yeah. Okay. See, so that's good too. But then he did the thing. The thing that he did that was so important was the drips. We talked about this in the ripoff episode. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing with graffiti was can control and having no drips. Right. Well, he right, would right. do these head characters and then let millions of drips come off of them. Yeah. And it was just like what? Yeah, this is different. <laughs> like you are different. <laughs> yeah, you were being cool. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, this has been good. But yeah, I See, mean, I, I it's a definitely a show worth seeing. And juxtapose, I get. I think I have someone got me a subscription. <laughs> I may subscribe to it myself, but yeah. I get all of them. And there's always something in it worth that was worth getting. Yeah, the new one is out right now. I think it's got Dabs and Mila, which is like they're like a married couple graffiti artist street art kind of couple and they do these big huge murals there's one on hollywood next near a tire store mm-hmm. and you know there's always something in juxtapose that's worth checking out you'll always find an artist and they're like oh i like that you may find a bunch but the thing is open up a would be considered a art magazine from the big art world you'll hate just as much it's yeah. just everyone in there is art is more expensive. <laughs> right. But like if you read art form, you'd want to ram your head against the wall. Yeah. So probably. bland. It's probably so much more dense. The thing about the fine art is being run by writing right. essays and it's conceptual. So it has to be explained. Which right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a little less fun. 
Yeah. I think it's less visceral. Yeah, I mean, like, just walking through a juxtaposed exhibit versus any other, or just, say, a traditional museum like LACMA or, the, or uh, uh, the Getty or whatever, it's more fun in there. Yeah. Especially if you're not like a, if you're not like an art snob or anything like that. Yeah. You walk through and you're just like, this is fun. These are bizarre and interesting and like, I mean, cool. I'm, I guess I'm an, I am an art snob. And oh, for so, sure. so part, I walk through a juxtaposed exhibit pretty quick because mm-hmm. I can, I just like, you know, I looked like there were a few people in it that, you know, Jeff Soto was in it. I think he's rad. Yeah. You know, I looked at the Mark Ryden. I looked. At, it was cool. They had Margaret Keene in it near Mark yeah. Ryden because you kind of see partially where he came from. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of it, I'm like. Eh. <laughs> Whereas, like, I would rather just go look at Robert Williams more than like investigate. Yeah, I'm glad most of it was him. Yeah, because I mean, most of it should be him. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty fascinating. There were some where I was like. I'm like I could I could sit here and look at this for like he also 10 writes more these minutes. extremely long explanations of the paintings too which I pre- the Beelzebub one or whatever yeah. it was called that the explanation for that was cool with like the Hollywood scene the way it was and yeah. the, he talked to some prostitute who had like slept in every motel room in L A and yeah. that and he like he did the number did the math and it was like over a thousand hotels and she was only nineteen there's yeah. like a quick little story with a description of what it means and I was yeah. like I'm a, I'm a little more informed now yeah. And this thing looks fucking amazing. That's the thing. Whether you like what the painting was about or not, he clearly came up with the thing. It's not just, hey, this looks cool. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Technical skill isn't enough. Right. Why? It, it Looking cool is, is not enough. Yeah. If it was just about looking cool, then um, shitty Mr. Andre would be a good artist, a good graffiti <laughs> artist. Because he looks cool, but my God, is he an empty leather jacket. This Fuck episode you. should be called Kevin Loves Mr. Andre. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is good. I've yeah. learned things. Good. I really have. And um, I hope you guys have too. And I hope any questions that you didn't see that you got to ask were answered by the questions I asked. Because <laughs> uh, I'm coming from the same place you are if you don't know a lot about the art world. If you're in LA, I think this shows up for like another month or two. Yeah, totally do it. Barnsdall Art Park. Uh, yep. It's in Los Feliz. Just Google Barnsdall Art. It's the only one in LA. Yep. Um, yeah, and check that shit out. Also, it is free. Free as fuck. With a capital free. So you just walk the fuck in and have a great afternoon. Then go over to Vermont and check out some of the fine coffee shops and restaurants and bookstores in the area. Uh, I will always promote the greatest neighborhood in Los Angeles, Los Feliz, <laughs> California, everybody. Promote it hard so uh, my house gets worth more money. It is fun. It's a great neighborhood. Um, okay. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.